Welcome to another episode of Doe, a podcast discussing cases of John and Jane Doe's. I'm Kat. And I'm Allie. So just a note that uh, we are recording from my new apartment, and this will probably be an audio quality journey that you'll just have to come along with us. Hopefully a short journey. Hopefully we'll get it figured out by the next episode. Uh, So please bear with us. We know it's not the best. Please don't hate us. So my case this week is the Opelika Jane Doe. This is a tough one. They're all tough, but this is a child one, and I know that we don't particularly enjoy doing child cases, but this one, I feel it's important to do them. And especially since children, I think, tend to be the ones going missing the most. Yeah, just Don't quote me on that. I will not quote you on that. Good. I'm not going to say, hey, Caitlin said that. (laughs) Good, I'll, I'll take you to court. This doe was found in the 1700 block of Hearst Street by the Brookhaven Trailer Park. So it sounds like they found part of the skull and then came back with cadaver dogs and found more of the skeleton 50 feet away. But it sounds like it was never, they never found a complete skeleton. Um, Because Namus says that the torso wasn't found, one or more limbs weren't recovered, and one or more hands weren't recovered. So this does not sound like, it sounds like perhaps a wild animal had gotten in with it. It's kind of sounding like scavenging, yeah. Yeah. So she was dead for approximately eight months to two years before the findings of the remains. Some sources say she was three to seven years old at the time of death. Other sources, like Namus, say five to seven years old. Yeah, the five to seven makes way more sense. Three to seven is a ridiculously large bracket. Like, did they have her mandible? I believe so. I don't think it was found with the skull. I think they found it in that second. Okay, but, like, they had that, so they would have been able to see. But, yeah, they could see what level of formation her teeth were at, formation development. And even if she were, say, like, malnourished or something, so postcranial, so anything below the skull, could be reading as younger her teeth would still give a good indication of her actual age. Like, um, a field school I did, the Romanian one. Oh, yes. One of the skeletons that my partner and I did for our presentation, the teeth were reading as, like, five to Mm six-year-old, but the body was, like, three to four. Oh. Because of malnutrition, we think. Interesting. That also comes into this case. Oh. Because they thought that she, they did testing that showed that she was abused and undernourished, which is so sad. Oh, the skeleton was found kind of close to a cemetery, but they don't think that that's connected, which I figure would probably be pretty easy to figure that out. Yeah. They found a long sleeve pink shirt with heart buttons and a ruffled neckline near the remains, which makes... Me so sad. I think I had a shirt like that when I was little. When I read the description, it made me think, that's the kind of thing that you should be wearing, sipping a cup of cocoa, cuddling in with, like, an elder family member, like an aunt or a grandma. Yeah. You shouldn't be found as a skeleton in that. I know. I think that's another really hard thing with children cases, because... Kids typically are wearing like cute clothes and stuff, and they're just it makes like you really realize. fun. It and makes then... it makes you realize how young they were. Mm-hmm. So it's a bummer. Bill Harris, who was the Lee County coroner at the time, said that she died by homicidal means. I think this is pretty obvious. Yeah, and I definitely. Because no, that no. To go back to the testing that showed she was undernourished, her teeth were small and undeveloped. 
So that goes back to what you were saying. Because um, teeth can be affected by uh, malnourishment as well, just not to the same degree as the other bones. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then you have something called linear... Is it linear hypoplasia? When teeth are growing in, if the person's malnourished or experiencing another type of stress, it can result in linear enamel hypoplasia, which is like lines across the teeth like that. So would this be on, this is on both sides of the teeth that this would happen? Or just on the inside or on the outside? I think it's on, yeah, I think it's like around the circumference or maybe all the way through actually. Wow. I've only ever seen it like the surface. We will put uh, a link to that in the show notes. But, like, other than that, your teeth are, even if they're a little slightly delayed, they're still pretty. They're still pretty decent. Yeah. Okay. There was also a deformity in her left eye, which could have been the result of abuse. So, investigators Mm -hmm. got a tip with photos in 2016. So, these photos were from the Vacation Bible School at Greater Peace Church. I cannot think of a less fun vacation. Also, that is the most, that sounds like a name that would be a generic placeholder name on a TV show for a Bible <laughs> it church. It really does. Vacation did you Bible, say Bible Church. Yeah, I did. Did I say Bible you Church? <laughs> These photos were taken in 2011. In the photos, it's a four or five year old girl who bears a resemblance to Opelika Jane Doe. And it does look like she could potentially have an eye deformity in the photos, or it could also just be red eye. But Kaylara Owl on WebSleuth mentioned that uh, glowing eyes and photos are signs of a bunch of different diseases. She posted a link, which I'll also post in the show notes, saying uh, all of the diseases that this could be. Um, so this could be Coats disease or retinoblastoma. And there okay. are a bunch of other diseases on the list. I had no idea about this because my first thought was that it was just red eye. Yeah. But no, I, I've i definitely heard of different diseases being shown in eyes. I think it was probably on a cracked list or something of probably. like a doctor noticing something on TV. But yeah, I've heard of that before. Yeah. So I learned that on this case because mm-hmm. if I didn't know anything about it and I didn't read that link, I would think it was just red eye and it was... Something weird happening with the flash from the camera, but apparently this is a thing. Um, then it can also be a tumor? Yeah, so I guess that's retinoblastoma. I'm assuming oh, okay. that that's the tumor. Also, another note that they got with this tip was that this girl in the photos was shy and she didn't talk to the other kids. She didn't communicate at her age level. And generally, it just looked like she was not taken care of. Which is really, really sad, and it seems to fit in with the history of abuse and malnourishment that they found in this body. Yeah, like, my gut instinct is that it's that's her. My gut says it too, actually. So, they did an isotope test. Yep. Which I always find so fascinating. I know, right? As a So n- cool. It's so cool, and as a not-scientist, I'm going to try and explain isotopes. Oh, they're going to make me do it, I'm like... No, I'm going to take this one on. Oh, good. I'm like, I'm not a forensic chemist. So, isotopes. The isotope test. I'm realizing now I don't even know what isotopes are. I believe in us. Let me look up. I learned isotopes a long time ago. Um, What are isotopes? Oh, duh. Variants of a particular chemical element which differ in neutron number and consequently... Wow. Consequently, in nucleon number. All isotopes of a given element have the same number of protons, but different numbers of neutrons in each atom. 
So they did some science stuff. So they scienced the teeth. They did some isotope science to the teeth. Yes. And I'm assuming perhaps also the hair, maybe? I don't know if there was enough hair for them to do the test, but I do know that you can do isotope tests with yeah. hair. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I think this was probably just her teeth. But anyways, isotope tests can tell you where a person is from based on, I guess, the atmosphere. The yeah, it's strontium in the water. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. And obviously hair grows much faster than your teeth, so hair is more recent and teeth is more... Yeah, hair is something that shouldn't really be used for anything. Oh, like that test that... There was that huge scandal. Yeah. About, uh, Mother Risk? Yes. That was huge that? scandal. Mother Risk was involved with that, yeah. Charles Smith was... Was he part of that one or is he just part of pathology? He, You're looking at me like, I know, I don't know. Oh, look up Charles Smith if you really want to be mad. Oh, great. Okay. Next time I'm in a rage, it'll just... Yeah, basically he was a pathologist who pretended that he um, specialized in, like, children Oh. And got, like, a bunch of parents um, charged with abuse and stuff and got their children taken away. For one instance, because he didn't realize that a child's skull fuses at a different, that a child's skull is still fusing. So he's like, these are fractures from abuse. It's like, no, the kid's skull isn't fused yet. I have taken a whopping zero university science courses and even I know that a yes. children's skull is still fusing. So it was a bunch of shit like that. So yeah. Wowie. Yeah. So um, I I think he was with Mother Risk. Also, just the irony of the name Mother Risk. It always reminded me of the Arrested Development gag that there is a magazine called Mother Boy. <laughs> about mothers and boys. So... But yeah, the whole drug thing. It's like, oh, this person does cocaine and their children are at risk. Based on their hair. It's like, no, that's that's bullshit. That's, okay. So, yeah, so. that's good to know because I'm yeah. sure I will run into a hair isotope test at some point mm. and wonder about it now. So, anyways, this Doe's isotope test says that she's from a southern state. Potentially, she was born in Alabama, but law enforcement doesn't think she's from the Opelika area. On the other hand, where she was found shows that the person who disposed of her was probably familiar with the area. And why do they think that she wasn't from Opelika? I think it was probably just maybe the isotope said that she was from a different part. I think it was, like, basically the southern states, so she wasn't necessarily from Alabama. But I also think that they thought that because someone would have noticed that she was missing, you would hope. Not if, if not so if much she's, the parents, but... If she's abused, then... Yeah. The number of times people don't notice... I mean, look at the cases of, like, um, oh, the, is it 13 kids? The, oh, that couple you're right. Of, yeah. And people had no idea. Yeah. It was only because I think one of them escaped. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So that is definitely no, a possibility a for this lot. case, which is so sad. And it's something that I guess law enforcement can't really regulate because if you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. And also, like, say if she were homeschooled or something. Because, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of like, good homeschooling situations, but there's also a lot where it's used to, like, hide abuse. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a possibility for this case. Yeah, because, so that way, like, there's no teachers to notice. If they don't bring her to a doctor or anything or a dentist or any medical professional, they won't know. Yep, and if she's being that abused, maybe they wouldn't have even let her out so that the neighbors would be 
like cognizant of hey there was a girl here and now she's never coming out of her house or like they would just have an easy explanation of like oh they moved away or like if they just did move away or something like that yeah that too yeah so yeah that's this case oh and there's a ten thousand dollar reward for information we'll post on the show notes yeah you i don't think we've specifically said this but on all of our cases, on all of these does, we're posting places where you can, if you have information about these John or Jane does, uh, we give links to law enforcement or um, I guess sometimes we'll post the NamUs contact. Yeah, and we also always post like where we got all our information from. Yeah, the show notes are, are basically where we put all of the info. Um, and if you want to look at photos as we're looking at them, you can check out our Instagram at Doe Podcast. Yeah. And so I have some photos of this girl that I can show you right now. Yeah, that's a really good reconstruction there. It is. Oh, and there's the clay cast. Yeah, where you can see. Oh, and she's missing a few of her upper teeth. So I'm going to say she's probably around the seven-year-old range. Yeah. Yeah, and you can also see there's a uh, sketch with, you can see the eye deformity. And then this is the photo that went with the tip. Yeah. She's got the eye deformity that you can see pretty visibly. You can see there's something weird there. Yeah, there's definitely something weird. We'll post these on our Instagram and you guys can see if you think that the girl in these photos is the Opelika Jane Doe. And did the cops ever try and like track this girl down? I think that they, if they were able to, they would have already. I think that it was probably something like, because um, those photos were taken in 2011, mm-hmm. and the cops got them in 2016. So I'm assuming that the Greater Peace Church didn't keep meticulous records of who was in that program five years ago. Mm. I'm just assuming. And it also looked like she was in an audience part of it, so and it looked like a pretty big crowd. Mm. So I'm thinking they probably, it was probably not like um, like a small camp. So, like, yeah, like, where there's, like, ten kids or something. Yeah, it looked like it was quite a large crowd. Yeah. Yeah, so that's this case. Hmm. Tell me about your case this week. Okay, my case is... This is strange, honestly. So, on May 10th, 1973, at approximately 2.30 p.m., a man walked into the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce on Main Street South in Kenora, Ontario. That's the CIPC, I know. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's the CIBC. Just Wearing a black balaclava and armed with a rifle and a pistol. The oh RCMP site says he carried an explosive device on his body, but I've also seen dynamite strapped to his chest and a homemade, homemade bomb in a shoulder bag. I think it was probably a homemade bomb strapped to his chest. In the bank, the man demanded money and a truck to make his getaway. Because he didn't have a truck, I guess. That's something that, personally, if I was robbing the bank, I'd sort of, like, figure out the getaway car instead of relying on the people I'm robbing to get the car. Yeah, it's a strange choice. He told the manager, Al Reed, to call the police while all all other staff were told to leave. I don't know why he had the police called. You're robbing a bank. Maybe the police have a getaway car for him. Well, actually, kind of. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Constable Don Milliard volunteered to pose as the getaway driver. So he showed up and said, I'm the one driving the truck, and I guess the robber didn't know he was a cop. For some reason, the robber let the constable carry his bag of stolen money. 
Um, yeah. And followed behind. As soon as they were out of the bank, another officer, Bob Latane, sitting in a nearby cruiser, shot the man with a hunting rifle, which then detonated the bomb. So, for what I saw, he aimed at the bomb. Surprisingly, only the man was killed, although Constable Milliard, who was right in front of him a couple feet, also was injured. Not killed, though. He sustained hearing loss. Yeah, I bet. Because the bag he was carrying on his back kept him from dying. Oh my, the money that this guy just stole. Mm -hmm. mm, That's weird. This is the 70s. I am hoping that nowadays no one would, you know, choose to detonate a bomb. Well, have you seen the Netflix film Evil Genius? Oh, we'll get it. This entire thing was reported live on the radio station CJRL AM 1220, not... Catchy. I know, right? <laughs> now 89.5 The Lake by Chris Polson and John Barry. And that is the clip that I have for you. The entire thing was reported live. Uh-huh. Let's see if this works. Bank robbery at the Kennedy Imperial Bank of Commerce on Main Street. Uh, we've spoken to a number of people on the street who allegedly saw this take place, and it uh, was just one smooth operation, walking into the bank, ordering the tellers out, and from there, nobody seems to know what's going on, because the man is holed up in the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. He's wanting safe passage out, and the police have been negotiating with the man. The area has been cordoned off. The passers-by again have been moved back further. And uh, they're just waiting now to see what happens. As I mentioned, the man is holding what is believed to be a device in his mouth. And uh, from all reports, it it would appear as though it's a bomb of some sort. Now, the police are standing by. The truck he has demanded is waiting out front of our station right now. The man is coming out. He's got a black stocking on his head. The man is coming out. He is carrying a clothes peg. In his mouth, he is moving back into the bag now. He's got three duffel bags, three duffel bags, apparently full with money. Uh, he's moved back in with his, uh, with the man, and they're waiting now to see what happens. Now they're coming back out again. He is a colored man. It's the clothes peg in his mouth. He- I, ju- I just want to note that. I think he said he's a colored man, which first, old school racism. Also, this is a white guy. Yeah, I just noted that and went, what? So, yeah, just ignore that part. Anyway. He is carrying a flight bag. Is uh, in, in a state of shock. 
office You're all right. Can someone look after the girl? Just a reminder, <laughs> this is 1973. It sounds like it's from the 40s, though. I know. <laughs> One of the office girls in the state of shock, she saw it too. One could only assume that whoever he is, is no more. Who is this man? Who is this man who attempted to rob the Canadian Imperial Bank of Thomas? That's a question which will uh, be answered, I've no doubt, shortly. I'm going to guess it wasn't answered yeah. shortly because yes. we're talking about Spoiler it. Spoiler no. Spoiler no. <laughs> no. So yeah, that's basically what it was. Also, they said the cop was shot. No cop was shot. That was just, you know, media making stuff up on the spot. But you had two different um, radio guys talking. One was the second floor and one was on the street. That's why you can oh, hear sometimes. right. Sometimes okay. you'd hear one guy talking and the other guy say the exact same thing. It was because it was two different reporters. Yeah. Can that- I just say my hot take? Sorry, I totally interrupted you. Depends what your hot take is. D.B. Cooper. This is obviously D.B. Oh. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Someone online did say that. It's like, no. There's no, no. It, it could so, be, no, right? No. Okay. <clears throat> now, that happened. In the man's brown leather wallet, police found a pair of handcuff keys, which, what? As well as 160, wait, $176 Canadian. And a receipt from the Canricia Hotel. I'm hoping that's how you say it. The police later determined that the man had checked into the hotel on April 23rd under the name Paul Higgins and the home address 435 Glen Drive, Toronto. Both fake. After two days, he checked out and took a bus to Winnipeg, leaving a steamer trunk behind. He returned on May 5th. Now, nothing I saw said what was in the steamer trunk and... There doesn't seem to be anything about what he did in Winnipeg. Mm. I feel like if we knew that, then we might have a better idea of who this is. Yeah. And now the unknown man is buried in an unmarked grave in the Kenora Cemetery. The man is described as white, 40 to 50 years old, about 5'6 to 5'8 and 170 pounds, with brown hair and a reddish beard. He was wearing a green and brown checkered fedora, brown gloves, a brown and white checkered jacket, and size 10 Chippewa bush boots with a one-inch thick sole. And that's all we know. Fingerprints and DNA tests have revealed nothing about the man's identity. The police did have a suspect, a man reported missing from BC, but he was later found living in the south of France. Oh, as that's for him. As, like, all people who just fake a disappearance tend to do. They, they show up in the south of France. to the south of France. Yeah, I don't... Well, I mean, it's a nice place, I guess. So, as you kind of mentioned earlier, this case reminds me a lot of Brian Douglas Wells. That was such a crazy documentary. I never bothered watching it. I listened to the dollop episode. Way better. I'm not even touching the documentary. But the difference with that is the bomb was set to go off itself. They didn't have a cop purposely detonate it. No, they didn't have a cop shoot the guy to detonate the bomb. To purposely detonate the bomb. It wasn't an accident. It was purposely to detonate the bomb. But yeah, he's kind of like our own D.B. Cooper, Brian Wells. Interesting. I can't believe I've never heard of this before. I've never heard of this. That's crazy. And this happened, like, the 1970s. It's not that long ago. Pardon me while I Google where the heck Kenora is. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, it's pretty close to Winnipeg. No wonder he took a bus to Winnipeg. Yeah, it's, like, right on the border. It's way closer to Winnipeg than anything. Originally named Rat Portage. I feel like they should have stuck with that name. It's a pretty solid name. It is. Kenora. The tiny little town in Ontario. Where this dude. is this crazy thing. I still can't go over the fact that he didn't have a getaway car. <laughs> oh my God. 
I know. You don't generally go into a place to rob it and say, hey, can you also get me a car so I can get away with this stolen money? Lazy, not good planning. It was, uh, this was poorly planned. Very poorly planned. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But anyway, so that's kind of a more lighthearted one because I don't know. That was just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, so I'm gonna... Oh, and quick, uh, like $100,000 ended up blowing up on the street. Oh my god, and that's 1970s money. Most of it was returned. People of Kanara are good people. Apparently, yeah. They just gathered that up and returned to the bank. To be fair, I'd probably do the same thing. I mean, Sam. I mean, it would be very tempting to take like an old $2 bill because they had that back then as a souvenir. Oh, I still have those. But not one from the Kanara bank robbery. This one is the solved episode. Not the solved episode, the solved case of this episode. This is the story of Mary Lee Lee Bruiser. So Mary Lee Lee Lee. Bruiser. I love that her parents basically named her twice. This takes place in Utah. Three women fishing near the Yuba Dam, which is about an hour south of Provo in Huap County. J-U-A-B. September 3rd, 1978, and stumbled onto the remains of a skeletal unidentified doe strangled she could have been strangled anywhere from three months to three years before they found her her stats were listed as white five foot two or five foot three 110 pounds blonde hair although it's also sometimes been listed as brown or strawberry blonde uh she had dental records she had crowns and her tooth was crooked she had no dna no fingerprints they thought she was probably late teens to 20 years old uh they found her with a double hooped earring and a white barrette X-rays of teeth ruled out four missing women from the area as the doe. Of those three, Nancy Baird, Susan Curtis, and Nancy Wilcox are still, sorry, Wilcox are still missing and they're presumed to be victims of Ted Bundy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I recognize some of those names. Um, So in 2013, a detective in Davis County found evidence marked hair from Yuba Lake body. So apparently there was some confusion back when this happened because a sheriff's captain worked at the state medical examiner's office as well as the Davis County Sheriff's Office. Um, His name was Kenny Payne. So there was like a mix-up. So they finally found this hair and they tested it for DNA and they found a familial match with Mary Lee Bruiser from Long Beach, California, who went missing on August 22nd, 1978. So the police let her family know that they had finally found her on August 22nd, 2015. So she was killed August 25th, 1978? She went missing August oh, sorry, 22nd, 1978. And she was found September 3rd, 1978. Okay. Um, and then they told they discovered who it was in 2015. Yes, and they let her family 25th? know on August 22nd. 22nd. Yes. I'm clearly great at listening. I love dates so much. If there was just a podcast that just listed off dates and you just had to think about the dates... Oh, I would actually be super stoked about that. So here's Mary Lee's actual stats. Compare these to the stats that they had put out, which... Oh, you mean like description? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Not like baseball stats. No. I I mean, I don't know if Mary Lee was a baseball player. Maybe she did have stats like that. I don't know these things. Um, So she was actually 5'5 and 145 to 150 pounds and 33 years old. So to me, this case is just a big old, like, lesson that if you think someone is an unidentified person, don't necessarily write them off just because the stats say that they're a few inches shorter or a few pounds lighter or 15 years off. I also want to point out the late teens to 22 years old. Like, like that's not a thing. No. Do you say, like, a bigger age gap? Once you're an adult, 
it ends up being like this person's 25 to 50 years old something that like makes that sense. because your body stopped growing well not oh, there's like different fusion like um, bone fusion i see and stuff but things become way more variable like when you're a kid you can rely on the teeth that'll tell you a lot yeah. like that's pretty solid but adults there's really nothing like there's still a lot of research going into different ways of getting accurate age estimation of adults but like teens to 22 I don't understand. And, like, that's a very specific age. Yeah, so, like, in a modern setting with age estimation, like, she would have probably been chosen as a possible... Yeah, they would have been like, look at this. Yeah, because she would have been in the correct bracket. Yeah, and I'm assuming that um, if you find a skeletal body, like, you can't say for sure the height of them, right? Yeah, that's one thing where, like, you can estimate it, but... Can't say for sure. You can't say like this person is exactly this because there's so many variables. Yeah, and also she's a skeleton, so I don't understand how they figured out how, her like weight either. That's weird. Like I just don't understand. No, that I have no explanation for. I. Yeah. So this is those are what her stats actually were, and here are the photos of her. Also, it's interesting to me because the composite of her looks 33, and the actual photo of her looks way younger. Um, and her cousin Dawn described her as a little shy and a sweetheart. You can totally see that in these photos. Like, she just looks like such a sweetie. This is, this was, um, oh, I think this oh. is Carl's, Carl from Web Sleuth. This looks like one of his. So you can see that this is what she actually looks like. So then there's another photo oh, of Oh, yeah, her. she looks super young. She's Wait, is super... that for, like, a recent one she went missing? Um, I don't know, because she does look very young in it. I, I relate, because I think she's just one of those people with a baby face. I mean, I still get carded. And then this is this was the original sketch, which does oh. not look like her at all. I thought you were just showing all. me a different case. Right? It doesn't, like, it's That's completely not her, different. No. Mm-mm. Like, the one that, I'm assuming this is Carl. I'm, the one that Carl from Ludsloos did looks like her, mm-hmm. more so, but still not completely like her. So do we know what happened? Yeah, I'm gonna oh, tell okay, you. Okay. Well, her case is still open. Okay. As a homicide. Okay. So, who strangled her? Why was she in Utah? It's an eight and a half hour drive from Long Beach to Yuba State Park. Did she tell her family she was going there? Um, her cousin Dawn mentioned that it could potentially have been a trafficking situation. I don't, I don't Is know. Is it bad that my first thought was there was trafficking in 1978? No, even, I believe it, that there was trafficking in Even though, of course, there was trafficking there. Yeah. I'm like, it didn't just happen. No, I think there's probably been trafficking since the beginning of time, unfortunately. But, or even just like a kidnapping or... So I found something on a Facebook group called Never Forget Me. Okay. This is complete hearsay at this point because I couldn't find out where the person on the group found this information. But they said that Henry Lee Lucas, a convicted serial killer known for false confessions, said that he killed her. He gave an accurate description of where to find her body. So maybe he knew, maybe not. But he said that she was a hitchhiker. He died in 2001, so we won't hear any more from him. Just a sidebar, I got so creeped out by his photo on Wikipedia that I had to close the window as I was writing in my Word doc, like on the other side of my screen. I'm just going to show you right now. He kind of looks like from the gold rush. He looks like, you know, the men in black, not real people that are like aliens. They don't know how to use their body or their face. Oh, the sugar water guy. He looks like that. He just looks like a gold rush villain to me. I could see that. I think I was looking at his case. It's the mustache. Yeah, I, I looked at the... Ugh, just dead eyes. Just, yeah. Actually, one case I was looking at doing today is another possible victim of his. If you did that case, that would have been the third case in, like, two days that I'd heard that was related to him, because I was just watching an old Dateline, and I can't remember which one it was, but they mentioned him, too. I swear, like, half the <sighs> unidentified people are 
victims of prolific killers. I would love to just have a chit-chat over a tea with her, figure out what happened. Oh. Yeah. Do you have a fact for us? <laughs> oh, there was something, there was a... I found this word that I wanted to know what it meant, but I didn't want to Google it because I wanted you to tell me what oh, it was. But I don't sure? know. I don't know what that word is. Nice. So postmortem. No, it was mortem. It was a gross word. It was about a gross dead body. Out of a seer? No. <laughs> We're gonna be here Future all day. Action. That's it. That's oh, actually it. Imagine. Yeah, that's actually it. Oh, let me look. Oh crap. Um, how to describe putrefaction? It's gross. I can't believe you got that. Oh, I have an awe. That always took two tries. <laughs> I'm magic. You should know this by now. Forensic magic. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so... Yeah. Okay, putrefaction is basically when the body starts getting really gross. So I was right. It's just like a gross it's, dead body. It, it Basically. Is it like oozing and slimy yeah, and liquid? It, it's basically, because um, you have... Because when you die, all the bacteria in your body starts like breaking down your body. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, great. So basically, if you're think it, it's like the gross, squishy, slimy. Yeah, then that's when there's like skin slippage. It's exactly and, what I'm picturing, isn't and, it? And bloating. Yeah, because did you know bodies kind of expand because all the gases in yes. your body they know. I heard to go. that. Unfortunately, this is like a really awful thing to talk about, but I was looking up the Shanann Watts case. And she had a coffin birth, which sounds just oh god, coffin birth, really terrifying and awful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I know about the gases and shit when you die. And I guess in case anyone's wondering what a coffin birth is, I guess we should talk about that then. Um, so that's if a woman is very pregnant, or I don't know what degree of pregnancy you have to be, but basically, a woman's died, and during decomposition, her body pushes the fetus out. That's also dead. Body. That's also dead, yes. I, it's important to note the fetus is not alive. And that's what a coffin birth is, because basically the body's sort of given birth. So that's a downer. Wow, this is a, <laughs> not a very uplifting episode. <laughs> okay, um, we gotta figure out a, a good sign-off after uh, all we the gross stuff. We, we need a sign-off. Goodbye <laughs> until next time, when hopefully we have something a bit more cheerful. Well, considering our podcast okay, considering theme, our it's podcasting. not gonna be cheerful. Okay, bye-bye.